Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Observations. Uh, just excited to be hanging out with you guys once again. Today, uh, we are joined by a convention here, convention promoter, retailer. Once again, Jimmy J joins me as we have a rousing discussion of a period in comics where everybody was uh, in, a, in a tribe. Everybody had like a, a, a gang label, a tribe. Everything's were they, were, they were very tribal. There was image comics. There was legend comics. There was, uh, you're going to hear a very interesting pronunciation of bravura comics. Uh, later on, there was gorilla and, 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 and uh, cliffhanger and then cross gen. Is, is where we wrap it all up. We're going to cover all the tribes today. These are groups of people, eight or more, who all gathered under these tribal banners. So it is. Uh, we had a really great time, kind of walking through that period of time where everybody uh, ran to different corners and made sure that they were um, associated with their tribe. It was a time like none other in the business, uh, and not not then, not since. There there are tribes. Within the tribes, there are sub-tribes, Extreme, Wildstorm, Top Cow. Jimmy and I cover all of it. We get into it. Um, thank you for joining us for this today, and let, let's go ahead and jump right into it right now. Now, I know that you and I have talked often about tribes in the comic book world, and, and I want to talk about a period first. Uh, don't let me forget to, to bring it to the present day, but, but first and foremost, um, uh, Jimmy, the '90s were when the tribes were as as like cut and dried as they've ever been in any period that I have worked in this comic book business. And uh, okay, so 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 just you you remember Legend, right? Legend that 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 label. Can, can you tell me from your memory who was in Legend? Yes. Uh, Frank Miller, Mike Mignola, Art Adams, John Byrne, maybe a Jeff Darrow too. Jimmy, uh, Paul Chadwick. Uh, you got it, and 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 I'm pretty sure Dave Gibbons is in there. Um, oh, okay, I I thought I said I guess I didn't say Dave Gibbons, but Dave Gibbons. Jeff yes. Darrow. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's Dave Gibbons. Um, yes, so, Dave Gibbons. Remarkable. Remarkable. Oh, yeah. Give me give me liberty. Give me liberty. Yeah. No. Um. So so for those who may not be familiar. After we launched Image Comics, myself and Jim Lee and Todd McFarland and Wolves Portacio, Mark Silvestri, Jim Valentino, and Eric Larson. Did I say seven names? I should have said, I should have said seven names. So, so, or I, I guess at the end it, it ended up being seven. Mark, Eric, Jim, me, Todd. Is that whatever? I've said I've, I've said seven, you know, and and uh I, I hope you seven. You get, yeah. that's just that's just a term. So, so, so it's, like a, it's like a six pack. It's like a six pack of beer. The image seven. So I have my Wizard magazine, um, which again, I, I'm, I'm these, these. Now this is this is around the time that they were becoming an insufferable pricks. But uh, but Wizard magazine issue thirty one has a gatefold legend cover. Legend, okay. It's a pretty sweet jam piece. You got Frank Miller's uh, Marv talking to Mike Mignola's Hellboy. You got some of the John Byrne Danger Unlimited characters. You got Gimme Liberty or, or Martha Washington by Gibbons. And, and then you've got uh, Arthur Adams, uh, you know, uh, Monkey Man and O'Brien. Uh, Jeff Darrow was doing, they, they, they folded, uh, 
uh, is it Rusty and Big Guy? Or, yeah, oh, or, Rusty and Big Guy. That's right, because they had the oversized treasury size. So, um, yeah. So, so I mean, they fold. So, I guess, I guess he's in the. There is seven of them because in the article, in this wizard article, it says, and I think this is, you know, thank you, wizard, for stating the obvious. It says that uh, you know that the legend gang, the legend gang, has loosely been compared to Image Comics since both are creator-owned groups founded by seven popular creators hoping to convince readers of their commitment to producing high-quality comics. The major difference is that Image is a publisher and Legend is a label, okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, th 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 there's, there's, there's a reason. I mean, they're, they're saying, like, you know, they're loosely based. No, no, no. Legend followed us. They were not a cohesive group. And, and uh, you know, the core of, the, in, in this interview, like, literally, uh, Byrne and Miller repeatedly through this image, th this, this interview, um, and, and it's mo mainly John Byrne talking is, is saying, you know, early on, Frank and I laid out the ground rules that we're kind of running the label. We're the, we're the, we're the bosses. And, uh, and, and it talks about, then Frank says, you know, John and I have, uh, have a long history of working together. We've been friends for years and, uh, we see comics very similarly and, and, uh, you know, uh, when it comes down to what makes a good comic book, Frank Miller and I agree, John Byrne says, that is what legend is all about, okay? So so this legend tribe came together in the aftermath of Image Comics. And it was like, it's the first time you're, oh man, it's like, a, it's like a, it, we are influencing what is following us. And it was kind of fun. And we did, like Todd and Jim and those guys, they're my peers. Like we came up together. And, and this is a mixture of Frank and John came together at the same time. I've covered that. Please go listen to those podcasts on Frank Miller and John Byrne. There's multiple episodes that they're featured in, whether it's whether it's the Byrne Perez or whether it's the Superman when John Byrne, you know, was tapped to take over Superman. The Frank Miller, I, I covered Daredevil, Dark Knight, Wolverine. These guys were titans of, of, of a decade, uh, about 1975 to 1985. 1976, 1986, they dominated it. But Art Adams and Mike Mignola are in that weird period between them and the image guys where like it was Kevin McGuire, Art Adams, and Mike Mignola that were like the fresh faces. There was kind of a, there was a lack of new talent coming in, if you remember that. Um, so, so they are married with, you know, these older guys to make legend, okay? Now, Jimmy, yeah, with the, with the Easter Island, with the Easter Island heads. Yes, yes, Easter Island was that was the that the, the drawn by Mike Mignola. They go out of their way to inform you that um, they 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 figured he'd be the best guy to draw the Easter Island. But so that is tribe. That we're going to call that tribe number two. Image conscious tribe number one. Okay, and and I'm going to I'm going to tell you in 1993. So there's a picture. So a guy, I was talking to a guy from Extreme Studios today, and it was really interesting. He's like, I'm going to tell you, man, uh, that there's, uh, I didn't take enough pictures in, in the 90s. I'm like, None of us took any, enough pictures. I mean, every time I hung out with Jack Kirby, I did not take a photo. Um, yeah, but you know what? Here's the difference. It's like, yes, we all feel that way. I feel that way about my past, but it's not like today where it's like, our phones are our cameras and we live on social media, you know? So it's like, it really was, it's like, 
like your mom kind of on like a family vacation or visiting relatives is like whipping out a camera case and the camera and it's big and it's bulky and you know it seems like it was something to do where now it's just you just lift up your phone it's just you know it's in this pocket device but i agree with you it, i mean we all wish that we captured more of these moments on film so we could reminisce for sure I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, in my, in my travels and in my interactions with guys, like I've told you about Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise, um, I don't, I have notes from them that I've kept. I've had correspondence, handwritten correspondence. I don't have any photos with them. Um, it was, it, it's like you said, it just wasn't the thing to do. And, and now I think everyone just kind of, I like it, it's, it's accepted. We're going to capture this moment. And that, and again, our, our kids, my kids, I could have been saying it for a decade. If there's no pics, it didn't happen, but no. Okay. Thinking about this convention culture. Okay. And I'm going to just dial it for, for all the convention culture. It was about autographs. It wasn't about getting a, a photo op or anything like that. You know I mean? And that's concerts now or anything else, you know, you, you got an autograph. They scribbled their, they scribbled their name on a program or, you know, I mean, it's just, it was different. It was a different world. I mean, and I just think of yeah. those photographs as like, you know, again, my mom going, all right, everybody get together. It wasn't just a casual boom in and out and you're done. Anyways, I, I digress. Sorry. No, about no, that. Like, look, the, the, the point is I only have two photos of myself and Jack Kirby. And in those, those, fo that photo was taken at an event commemorating uh, giving giving Jack an award, uh, kind of a you know big 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 bougie dinner, but but the image guys showed up in their t-shirts and hats because that's how we did did the big bougie dinners and and it's so cute because Jack has his three piece suit on in the picture with myself Eric Larson and uh, the reason I bring up that exact photo is that moment that function went later into the night. And, and, you know, it got to be like, you know, cocktail hour and then like mingle afterwards as the dinner was over and the ceremony was over and it was, you know, casual uh, drinks. There's pictures also of, of Chris Claremont sitting with myself and, and Eric Larson and Jim Lee at the same function. I'm bringing up this. It happened in 1993 at San Diego Comic-Con. It was like the Friday night. And I'm going to tell you at one point uh, we were in the hallway we had already exited, so we were we were, we had left probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, not too terribly late, but the, the function has been over for a while. And coming through the double doors, arm around each other, I mean, just carrying on like the best of friends was Byrne and Miller. Frank Miller's got his arm around John, and they are just having a good time, and they breeze right by us. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And, and so I'm just saying I saw – first firsthand close up that uh these guys have a shared camaraderie and I, and I think i was talking to kirkman when when he and i were speaking about the camaraderie that the image guys had and we can tap into that again in no time because we can remember because none of us will all know there's not a single one of us will tell all the stories that we have to tell too much happened too much like the it, like it's not even dramatic stuff from little funny stuff to big kind of overly blown over stuff in uh, everything in between. It was just too much. And, and when I say overblown stuff, that there was, there was a meeting that went down at the distributor uh, before a diamond meeting, before we gave our presentation 
that was a giant argument in, in the hotel room in the early days with all of us. And we've never really talked about it. And, and that's, that's, that though, maybe that's a story to come later on. Cause it involves some insane that there were, that there was, there were people coming in and pitching us because we booked them during this time. It was, it was really badly run, but that kind of stuff we will never tell. I, I just don't know that we'll ever collect all of the stories, not because not out of a lack of desire, just, we just won't get to them all. And, uh, but the camaraderie that we have from that is instantaneous. When we all got back together in the last 15 years, we've, we've gotten together for a giant signing in Arizona for Atomic Comics when Atomic, before Atomic Comics went um, tits up. And, uh, and then we, um, and, and we, it was an all day, 10 hour signing affair. Then we all got together at Emerald City three, four years ago for the anniversary. And I mean, Jimmy, they gave us the biggest, like the Hall H Hey, 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 Rob, there's also a thing that uh, that also I, I worked on, too. It's called the Image Comic Expo. Image Comics Expo. We we an entire convention around it. Yes, and thank you, Jimmy. You did a great job. That was one of your first big uh, forays into throwing a, a, a big-time convention. And I remember you, you image, image, image Expo does not happen, but for Jimmy J uh, stepping up because you had already put on your first several amazing Comic-Con. So there's three different time timelines that we've gotten together the chemistry's there the camaraderie's there and and we just play off each other really well it's like a band that gets back together and i've always maintained we are like a band and i've always also maintained we are like the number one selling band of all time and no if you're listening that is not the beatles that is the eagles they hold the record the best-selling album of all time and and they used to go back and forth with michael jackson uh for 20 years holding the number one spot and, uh, and the thing about the Eagles, the reason I always, always compared us is because they had multiple lead singers and, 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 and really image comics had, had multiple, multiple lead singers. You know, um, I was rocking out with my daughter when we were, we were going out to dinner earlier tonight and, and I was telling her, like, well, why doesn't your generation have rock and roll bands? Like, where's your Def Leppard? Where's your white snake? Where's your Bon Jovi? And she's like, I, I just want to get out of the car. I think she's like, I, I can't take this. Where's your Van Halen? Um, and 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 it's true. They, they, it's it's all single focused. You know these people. And I do not count. She she tried. Don't bring up K-pop. Don't bring up boy bands. That's a different. That's that's not rock and roll. That's not a a guy who's like I can shred on the guitar and you sing. Because again, Def Leppard and 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 White Snake. You know David Coverdale. Okay, one lead singer. One guy who shreds on the guitar, okay, and 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 then Image Comics or e the Eagles was well, who's singing? You know, is is Glenn Frey singing this hit? Is Don Henley singing singing this hit? You know, is Timothy B. Schmidt singing this hit? Right, and and that's more of what Image was about. So so we were a big crazy tribe, but but I, I'm telling you, we have that that what John and Frank Miller and, and Walt Simonson are to each other, we are to each other. And, 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 and so that we're tribe number one. Um, I, I feel like I'm the guy in the amazing race. Tribe number one, you're tribe number one, you're safe. And tribe number two was, was, uh, was legend. Okay. But Jimmy and, and let me tell you, it, it, I'm going to, I'm going to, everyone who, who made it 48 minutes in and is still listening. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now why we did tribes tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. You need to all hear what I heard in the way that I heard it. And Jimmy, I'm going to need you to just let me, you know, you've been very kind as, as the co-pilot. Let, let me rant. No, you do your thing, man. So, 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 so shortly after 
Legend uh, was announced, and there's ads for this in this Wizard magazine with them on, on you know, the Legend focus. There's also a kick-ass interview with Eric Larson in here too. Just a terrific interview. It, it, it's actually the, the best part about the magazine. The uh, ha, there's a, the, uh, a a like 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 the guy from Orlando uh, who who did put together the boy bands. He put together an old band that that like the after we left Malibu, Malibu got together and was like, what other old guys who didn't go in with Legend and aren't over with Image can we get now? Todd McFarlane arrived at the extreme offices adjacent to the image offices where we were going to have another of our image meetings. And what was on his mind was the announcement of what had just come out, which is uh, this new label. And I am walking side by side with Todd from the entrance of extreme studios to the bullpen to see the, you know, bullpen guys. And as we, between me meeting Todd at the elevator and walking him through the double doors of Extreme Studios, past the reception area, past my office. Maybe we jumped in there a minute and dropped some of Todd's bags off. He goes, <clears throat> all right, let me, let me <laughs> hang on. I, 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 gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Uh, I, I, I gotta do this up. And he goes, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, need, need a couple takes here, engineer. Uh, there is no engineer. Um, uh, here, here it goes. He says, what is bravura? What? Who who calls themselves bravura? What what, what is bravura? Bra and, and and I was like, the world needs to hear because I was guffawing, spitting as Todd's like bra bra bravura. What what is a bravura? Who calls themselves bravura? And Ladies and gentlemen, Bravura is a label uh, that launched in January of 1994. Jimmy, it was Walter. Oh, I, I can name these names. I can name these names. Jimmy, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going I'm to I'm tell you if you're right or not. Go. Shaken Bacon, Howard Shaken. Okay. Uh, I am going to say uh, Walt Simonson. Walt Simonson is there. Um, 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 oh my gosh. Uh, am I going to tap out already? I mean, those uh, are like... Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me, let me come in and carry Jimmy over the, the, the finish line. Jim Starlin was there. I, of course, the breed. Um, uh, Stephen Grant and Gil Kane. My boy. Gil Kane also had a very distinct... Oh, my boy, my boy. And I worked with Gil. Gil drew some kick-ass kick-ass sections of Judgment Day that Alan Moore did for us. But Stephen Grant and Gil Kane, my boy! Uh, um, you also had uh, Peter David and Ernie Cologne. Okay? Um, I don't remember that, but okay. Because Jim Starlin brought Dreadstar to Bravura! What, what is a Bravura? Who, who calls himself Bravura? And let me tell you something. Later in the meeting, he would stand up, oh, guys, can, can we just talk about bravura? And uh, Dan Jurgens was there, and Dan Brereton taps it off, okay? So you really do have the old man of the sea. Um, I mean, Jim Starlin predates, Jim Starlin and Howard Chaikin predate John Byrne and Frank Miller, okay? By years. 
when in a, in, in a recent um uh the, the guys at tomorrow's they, they have those uh back issue magazines and uh you know uh they, they did a George Perez focused issue recently and they were, the, the, the interviewer was like, well, well, what was it like, you know, when George Perez broke in and Jim Starlin wanted that guy to know really quick, like, like he, I, I was in the business like six years before him, like we didn't break in together. Like I bumped into him once in the bullpen and I was like, oh, look at the new guy doing Jack Kirby. That is like almost word for word the quote from the Perez issue of Back Issue Magazine by Two Morrows. Jim Starlin and Chaikin way and, and then give me a break. I, Gil Kane, you know, is 20 years before both of them. Okay. So, so this really is when I say the old man of the sea, Dan Jurgens is like the, and, and Dan Brereton are like the teenagers of the group. Okay. But uh, bravura in the ad that I am looking at, and you know, everybody, you're going to go to the Rob Liefeld creations.com website, the podcast section, and you're going to look at the extra news and notes that I, that I always tack on in there. And, uh, you know, you want to see those Robert Kirkman cover sketches? They're right there. I checked, Somebody online said, hey, I didn't catch those. I'm like, you didn't go to the site. Here they are. They're right there at the site. Uh, every podcast has uh, some extras, some more than others. I do what I can. We're going to have this Bravura ad. So Bravura had a giant V in the middle. And Jimmy, you know, like, you know, in the dictionary, they give you like the in the brackets how to pronounce the word, um, you know, uh, lava, L-A-H dash V-A. So you don't say lava. And I, I just literally just made that up. But right. Seems- no, 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 no. I get it. I get they it. They have here, under bravura, they have in brackets, B-R-U-H dash V-Y-O-O-R dash U-H. So they're showing you. So Todd is not out of his element to go, bravura. No, bravura. you know. <laughs> Dude, okay, I, I'm I'm sorry to step on a Todd McFarlane uh, uh, quote. Oh, what the? Yeah. No, it just it tripped me out because okay, this was several years later, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a jackrabbit and jump over I'm sure a bunch of tribes, but uh, but I remember when when okay, seven years later, Cross Gen starts putting together their their titles, okay, and. Good old Mom J, R.I.P. Mom J. Shout out to Mom J. Okay, she says, and this was a great quote. She goes, "Nobody will ever ask for a comic book if they don't know how to pronounce its name." And so, I mean, and that was that was boom headshot, and that was and that was about every title from from cross gen. It's like, how do you pronounce it? Pronunciate this these these words. And uh, and there might be somebody who's slapping me going, oh, my gosh, you know, you're, you know, like, Jimmy J, you're so ignorant. But it's true. If you if you have a hard time pronunciating these words, it's hard to ask your retailer for these books. And it's no, hard. To, and then and then therefore it's hard to buy them. So you're talking to a guy who my entire life, I thought my name's pretty easy to announce, uh, pronounce. I thought the announce the enunciation of my name was pretty. I, I'm like, it's L-I-E-F-E-L-D. But every single year at school kindergarten through 12 that teacher would look at that name be perplexed by that name want to outsmart themselves with that name overthink it and go rob lafeld mike it's lafeld rob layfield and in my head i'm like where the hell is the field part coming like where's the i-e-l-d in there that's it's a fell um 
Lafeld, Layfield, um, Live Field, you know, just, just go add the field and get the line. I mean, I've had, um, you know, Layfield, Lightfield, Lafeld. I've had a bunch of them. It, it very, 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 you know, to this day, when I do signings, people still ask me how it's pronounced. Now, I am nowhere near, anywhere near the, the level of difficulty. Uh, oh, you're not Bill Sienkiewicz, okay? They actually told you in a Marvel comic book how to re- pronounce his name, but I went up to him because when his work started appearing in Moon Knight uh, for Marvel, I would go, you know, it, I, I love this Sienkiewicz guy. Sienkiewicz is the shit. Sienkiewicz. Oh, that guy can draw like a crazy person, man. I mean, he's, he's amazing. So I saw him at a convention and I said, Mr. Sienkiewicz, how do I pronounce your name? And he said, Sienkiewicz. And, and Bill obviously had a harder threshold than Leifeld, Leifeld, Lafield had um, his whole life. And he was really warm. And I, the minute he said to me, I will never forget this. No, you know what? And then and then put it this way. At their San Diego Comic-Con booth, his banner is is a pronunciation, much like Provora, but they do oh, Sienkiewicz. Yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 I mean, we, so look, I've always, guys with the last name Ross and Lee, like screw those guys, screw those guys for having names that are that 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 easy, that easy. Okay, I've even helped, and and one of those guys is going to be on the podcast soon. I've even helped formulate a name for another guy in the business because he knew that what Mom J had said. Now she said it to you, but this guy knew fifteen years in the past because maybe our listeners don't know that Nicholas Cage was Nicholas Coppola, and maybe our Listeners don't know that Tom Cruise is Thomas Mapother, M-A-P-O-T-H-E-R, um, Mapother, Mapother. Okay, you know we get name we get name changes. Hollywood's all about name changes. Musicians are all about name changes. I'm pretty certain that uh, his birth certificate doesn't say Billy Idol. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And uh, and 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 so I've actually helped people change names and and wonder why I didn't do the same to myself. Jimmy, okay. But the point is, is that not only is it true, not only is it true for for individual creators, but when you you scratch your head, when you're naming your company or you're naming your your titles, something that you cannot pronunciate or it's very hard for you know the average Joe to pronunciate, um, it's it's you're you're creating an uphill battle. I mean, there's one thing of of uh, of what's on your birth certificate, but there's another thing of of being, um, you know, of creating your own uh, your own destiny, so to speak. And um, and CrossGen had that all over the place with seagulls and sigils and you know uh, you know chimeras and sojourns and you know yeah. I mean oh, and, sure. and and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back. We are definitely because th- th- there are things to be said. Okay, but then Bravora, Bravora is, is definitely an example. Crossgen is definitely one of the tribes, um, and 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 it's interesting because on this ad at the bottom, it says it says repeatedly, you know, underneath all the guys, you know, it says Walter Simonson, it says Star Slammers. Star Slammers is a trademark of Walt Simonson. Star Slammers was a graphic novel that Marvel had published, just like Dave Cockrum's Futurians was a graphic novel, and then Dave took that. And published it, you know, somewhere else. Um, Simonson traveled with Star Slammers; they were his. Uh, obviously, um, Jim Starlin is bringing Dreadstar from, from Epic and First Comics. Uh, uh, he's now bringing it to Bra- Bravura, and uh, 
but but at the bottom it says, you know, Bravura is a trademark copyright of Malibu Comics Entertainment. So these, so Legend, those guys owned the label and it was distributed through Dark Horse. Image, we owned our studios and we owned the label. Okay. And Bravura is is literally the, the guy that put together the new kids on the block and 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 the 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 come on, not new kids on the block. Uh, the 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 Backstreet Boys. Oh, he, put, he put together like Perlman. He's he's Perlman. I think that's what the guy's name was. You know, rest in peace because he's no longer with us. But uh, he, this is Malibu going. Hey, do you want to be part of our 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 creator own label that we're going to control? And uh, I would love to know who came up with Bravor because here's something people don't may not know, and they mention it in this interview is Legend was originally, and we heard about this. This this. They would have beaten Image. We heard about this, Jimmy. And it's so interesting because Walter Simonson's signature is uh, a dinosaur. They were in the summer before Image or, you know, so Image came out in the spring. So the summer prior. So when X-Force and X-Men are coming out almost 30 years ago, there was rumblings that there was a old, old band, an old man band being put together called Dinosaur. And that's why they were calling it Dinosaur. And, uh, and and dinosaur was going to be burned Simonson and Frank Miller and, and and Frank and and they talk about that in the legend thing they they say the year before we were going to be dinosaur and again it's a funny you know them you know having a laugh at their own you know older term and I I even think that was a response to the young bucks. Because uh, again, that's a year after Todd broke all the all the records, and I know we go over this again and again and again. But Jimmy, nothing has sold a million in thirty years. Okay, so so what we did must have. I don't know what it was like to be one of those guys that go, they're doing what kind of numbers? And Burn in his interviews when he did Alpha Flight, he boasts about selling four hundred and fifty thousand copies of Alpha Flight number one. Boasts about it. Just you know. Makes a big deal. John Byrne has a forward in the Next Men hardcover, and he he is obsessed with talking about Todd and myself and how we only got to those numbers because the collector showed up. Because there's always a reason that he didn't get there and we did, but it's on his mind, is what I'm telling you. He, you know, you know what? I actually I had a really I had a really nice conversation, uh, you know, because I see faces coming in to the world famous Frank and Sons collectible show all the time, and I saw. Um, I saw Barbara Randall, Barbara Castle. Yes. Um, she came in and, and I mean, and it was, it, it was, it was a great, I had a, two really sweet conversations with her, but she was talking about, about burn and said, you know, like, quite frankly, that, you know, she, he thought that he could compete. I mean, not, you know, hit X-Men numbers, but I mean, especially with a big X, very prominent in in the title of Nexman, he really thought that he could compete with, you know, the younger guys. You know, with and, and when she mentioned younger guys, she mentioned specifically, you know, whether it was you know Jim Lee or Rob or or that generation, that generation, and he thought that he could do that with Nexman and um, you know and go at it with, uh, you know, based on his name. His name and and that provenant X. No, I mean, look, I, I th that's really interesting to hear, and she would know because again, Barbara was 
in every capacity as an editor um, during those during that period. She worked with Burns. She worked with all these guys. And uh, and and so that's you know it, it's really fascinating again that they were all going to be dinosaur and then they didn't. And they say here that well Walt would have come with us, but we didn't activate Legend uh, before he was contacted to be part of Bravura. What what is a Bravura? And uh, and uh, you know, Dinosaur was the same idea as Legend. We tried to hammer it out into a usable form. It began to mutate, and we began to realize that some of us wanted one thing out of Dinosaur, and the others wanted another. We drifted apart to the point where Frank and I became inspired to become absolute dictators and create what Legend was, and just to get it done. Dinosaur had become the worst kept secret in comics. We had to do something. I didn't want to spend the rest of my career explaining why Dinosaur didn't happen that's a full diatribe from uh from john Byrne on the the that that and 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 i think if i turn the page it talks about how walt was a part of it until you know they lost walt because by the time they contacted him uh, it says right here it's interesting walt simonson was originally going to be part of dinosaur uh initial reports also indicated that he would be part of legend but Frank says, uh, certainly no, there's no question that Walt would have been a very valued member of our group. But uh, he had already committed to Bravura um, by the time that we got our act together. So, again, so, so now you've got tribe number C. It held together the least. It fractured the fastest. It didn't have the same appeal, the same numbers. And, again, there are giant ads. I mean, Malibu did big spins, multiple, multiple page pullouts in and again people forget there wasn't just wizard at the time there was a diamond uh catalog there was the fan magazine not fan magazine uh, that didn't happen hero hero magazine oh yeah no there there's overstreet fan yeah so 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 there's all you know they were really trying to um i mean I'm, in this in this wizard magazine there's legend ads there's bravura but you guys understand todd was so perplexed not just by the pronunciation, but he just thought it was a funny sounding name. And I got to be honest, like, I just go, who, how high were you guys when you came up with that? Again, Mom J is right. Hard to pronounce. Hey, the other day is Bravura. I mean, it, they're telling you how to announce. No one's, we're not telling you how to announce image. And, and, and we're even going, like, people would call us the, the, the eye pretty fast. The image eye. Hey, you got comic, or the big eye. I mean, we got, you know, quickly um got several terms the image seven that you know but bra bravura and uh I, I just so so that was a gang and a tribe and man I, I hope somebody doesn't say oh man you guys shouldn't be saying tribe because that's on pc i am not uh, hip enough to know whether it is or not but we are discussing comic book tribes and look so so these everyone gathered together. They did conventions together. They did dinners together. Very seldomly did you see Image Comics hanging out with the, uh, you know, the legend, the legend guys. They wanted to put some distance with us, except for Frank Miller, who was more than happy to hang out with Todd and do Spawn Batman crossovers up the wazoo. Also, right Spawn. Uh, so Frank and I had several. Uh, my my conversations with Frank are very special to me. He dropped serious dimes of wisdom on me gave me great guidance. And this is while I am, this is like year two and three of Image Comics. Um, again, because I think I think there's there's just a different commitment. Image Comics had a different commitment at a different level of success. It, it, it operated at a different level. And I mean, literally, it is like, 
I mean, Jimmy, you and I were MTV honks way past when we should have been, but I was there when the day Image Comics, I'm sorry, I was there the day MTV launched. They planted the flag. I came home. I watched him. I, you know, I, I can answer that, that, that question, you know, video killed the radio star. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I was there, I watched it. And, and I think, you know, wh whether it was, you, you know, you and I are watching in the early 2000s as like after Backstreet Boys and after NSYNC and, and then there was 98 Degrees, right? Which was literally quite a few rungs underneath the battle that NSYNC and, and Backstreet were waging. Oh, no, they were there just picking up the, the extra dimes that were that were falling in between. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the Britney, Christina, Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson battle of the summer of 2002, like of, of summer of 2000. And, and literally, and Mandy Moore, I've read interviews with her. She's like, oh my gosh, I was, my, my manager, they were just trying to make me more like Britney. You know, I, they felt they had the ch vocal chops closer to Christina, but I had to look cute and blonde and wear crop top. I mean, so again, these, the, Bravura and Legend, okay, what I'm getting to is, but in the 2000s, didn't they do like an O-Town? Was there an O-Town? Um, uh, uh, like like another band like from Orlando because O sounds O town, yes, Orlando. And this because you saw this coming, and I'm gonna get to it because that's our pivot to Orlando, right? Which is the Cross Gen Tribe, and uh, the thing is that it it just felt these other part the image was very organic. We we came together. We 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 had a voice. And we increase that volume, you know, speaking and singing together. And for three years, it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my career then or before. Just like the DC-52 was like nothing I've experienced then or before. And I do have to interject that I have been contacted by so many people over those DC episodes. You have no idea the emails, the texts, the messages. We're talking about how completely, utterly batshit crazy the DC 52 was, and, 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 and I, in listening, re-listening to the podcast, I felt I was kind. I did not go even in on some of the more crazy details. I, I thought I'd, I'd give some of the flashy ones, but that's a, that's a digression. But I just want to say thank you to everybody who's contacted me and shared those crazy stories with me. That was a crazy time. Image Comics was a crazy time. And then you had these old man boy bands being put together, Okay. Oh, you know what? Even okay, uh, like there's another there's another uh, old man boy band uh, being put together. Was I mean? Do you remember the the group that was Gorilla? Okay, so that's the end of the '90s. Now, now, yes, that's 1999. Gorilla, which is better than Bravura. Oh my gosh! Well, because okay, I mean, this is for for me. I mean, it's like you know, granted the image the image seven splintered off and and i think that the studio system definitely had their own uh you know their own vibes i mean you guys really went and each each studio put together kind of their own i think they found their own groups and it's so much based on on the heads of the studios and and their personnel but uh but the generation two of that was 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 the cliffhanger generation but then when you had like say Gorilla or Cross Gen coming out, and it's like it's so funny. I totally remember all of these companies beating their chest, going, you know, uh, we don't want to be, 
we don't want to be compared to image or cliffhanger uh, because of this is what we do. And it's like, it seems like they would always be the ones to, you know, evoke those names. And it's like, nobody was comparing image comics to Corilla, you know, the formation Corilla, of, of image for, for the listeners was Carl Kiesel, uh, <clears throat> Tom Grummet, Mark Wade, uh, Kurt Busiek. Uh, I think Stuart Amonin was in that because he was doing the book with Kurt. Who am I missing? Ringo. Okay, I think Michael Ringo was in there. It's all. It, it, I. It, that's again. That lasted. I feel like even less than Bravura. Um, and, and, and you gotta understand. You know the thing with Image Comics. What we what we created was this kick-ass label that you can go back in and out of. And I've been at, back. I've been in and out of what you know. Uh, Image. I mean, I'm still publishing books through Image. I've been publishing books through Image uh, again in 2005 when they were like, hey, Rob, would, would you, you know, Eric Stevenson said, Rob, would you be interested in coming back and bringing books? And and I was like, Are, yeah, I mean, of course, I it is is, you know, is this something that everybody is cool with? Because I, I don't want to hang out unless everyone's cool. No, no, no. Everybody is in. And, and, and so, I mean, we're in, we're in 2020 and I mean, I'm, you know, I get my, my collections, my, my, uh, whether it's, whether it's blood strike, uh, whether it's glory or, 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 or profit or any of that stuff, you know, I, I'm, I'm those royalties on, on that work. I mentioned Brandon Graham's profit in the last episode. I mentioned Joe Keating's glory. I mean, those are 2010, 2012, um, you know, image is 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 the lasting um effort of all of these legend fell away you don't hear about legend anymore you don't hear about bravura i can't say it unless it is being said like todd walking through my what, what, what is a bravura? bravura he was so perplexed the crinkle on that brow uh was like a crevice in the grand canyon he was like literally like dumbfounded like how could you come up with this name and and this pronunciation and it was just so funny because he all he he did he got a kick and a giggle um because again we saw it what it was then you're going gorilla lasted even less than i think bravura cross gen i'm mean, sorry not cross gen cliffhanger was the closest thing to capturing what we had the those three guys ramos campbell madiera uh is and, and it had mike turner been with them i i can't mike turner was kind of like the they didn't get the gym league like it, it was todd rob eric and no no gym if, if it's only four and uh and had the, and had mike turner gone with them and again that cliffhanger i believe the label was owned by wildstorm which then became co-opted when jim you know went to dc so uh Cliffhanger, I mean, I, knew, I know because you were selling those books and you would tell me, like, Rob, we can't sell enough Cliffhanger. As many as we have, we move. I remember those days like it was yesterday, like it was yesterday. Oh, no, I I mean, like the house that I'm living in probably was was well paid for by by Cliffhanger books. Yeah. So that, that was an incredible time. They were a gang. They were a gang. 
They were uh, sorry. That's bad. That has bad connotation. They were a tribe. You know what? No, but then I mean, here here's the deal. It's like, it's like they were they were young creators. They were fresh voices. Um, they definitely resonated with crowds, and I mean, when they made appearances, that you know, they were they were rock stars. You mentioned that that it's so it's such a trip because Mike Turner, even though he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in Cliffhanger, he was. You know, he, it's like he was a contemporary, you know, I mean, it was, you know, again, maybe he was the, you know, he was the, uh, you know, they're Beatles. That's really what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He he did. He commanded his own stage. He's deserving of a complete episode coming up. Mike Turner, you know, rest in peace, gone. uh, I'm, is it 10 years? Is it 12? Um, Yeah. and uh, and and really really electric talent and and uh, uh, but 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 yeah I mean so so the thing is within Image because because it's the thing when you got Rob and Jim and Mark and the guys with the studios together um, we had tribes within the tribes so you had the Extreme Tribe the Wildstorm Tribe the Top Count Tribe and each of those branched off and I mean I'm telling you guys. But Image Comics recruits, and what we do is, you know, I've told you many times, there will be days. So I'm, I own Extreme. I own the catalog. I own the studio. I come in, and I look, and I see Danny Mickey. I see John Sabal. I see Dan Panosian. I see Art DeBert. I see Marlo Alcaiza. I see Larry Stucker. I see Norm Ratman. These guys are the best inkers then they're the best inkers now like like danny mickey can do two books a month still norm ratman two books a month okay art to bear was doing i mean the, the first couple of years of ultimate spider-man art is you know finishing and polishing and embellishing mark bagley and putting the extra shine on him best he's ever looked at the same time he's inking dave finch okay and uh, and uh and uh uh, Adam Cooper. I mean, he's Adam Cooper. Adam Cooper. the ultimate books art became kind of the, the, the polisher, the finisher, the guy with the pretty line that made sure it got out the door with the com- most commercial line possible. And, uh, and Danny Mickey went on to ink uh, again, Danny speed is why he it, it, like jumps over so many guys. His talent is ridiculous. That commercial line exists within him too, but he's faster. Then you got Norm Ratmond, who has been a top inker in the business for the last two decades. And, and, and so we recruited these guys. I gave Norm Ratmond his first quill. He didn't know how to use a quill. He had to learn how to not use the markers that he was trying to get those lines from. And, you know, Norm came up at Extreme. Danny Mickey did his first full inks at Extreme. Um, Marlo, Larry Stucker, Larry's out of the business. He inked me on cable. He inked Todd Knock on Young Justice. He, he like for like four or five years. I mean, he was a go-to guy. A guy at DC Comics told me at a convention of the late 90s, he said, look, I don't know what you were giving those guys at Extreme, what you fed them. But your guys hit all their deadlines. They are such professionals. They And, and, and I go, dude, we were doing 22 books a month at Extreme. We were getting, you know, on average over about five and a half books out the door. A week so over at wildstorm you know they they had uh like like 
Travis blows up and influences pretty much everybody we're going to talk about at CrossGen. At, and, and, and Campbell, you know, influences like the other half of the comics industry with his style. Um, then you've got, you know, Finch and Turner, who became two of the most powerful pencilers. Every name, every penciler, Marat, Frega, um, um, you know, Brett Booth at Wildstorm. I don't want to leave anybody out. I know I am. It's not, it's just, we're, you know, spitballing this, this, if, if you don't believe that this show doesn't go by a script, I hope this episode showed you that. <laughs> um, we are just making it up as we go along, sewing it together. The tribes within the tribes became the bedrock of what we established. And they went on to carry our traditions and our legacies, whether they realized it or not. Because again, a guy right now, you know, at DC that maybe came in six years after me, but hired all the extreme guys says to me, Hey man, what were you feeding those guys? He knows they all came from a studio system. I can tell you everybody that came from Neil Adams continuity studios, because that's where I grew up. And that's, I watched all those guys. And I know that Bob McLeod and Joe Rubenstein, they, and Terry Austin, they all, you know, were protégés under Dick Giordano and Neil, Neil Adams. And like, so it's fun, but, and, and that is as much of Neil's legacy as anything is that studio and the guys that branched off and these studios, the, the tribes within the tribes became the bedrock of our mutual legacies and carry, and, 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 and they carry that image or that studio legacy with them. I always will associate Dave Finch with Top Cow. Always. I will always associate Extreme Studios with Danny Mickey. I will always associate Wildstorm with Travis. Um, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, the, the, each studio went and created all these tentacles of influence. Legend was these guys and that was it. Bravura was these guys and that was it. So we're going to wrap this last section by talking about O-Town and the cross-gen. Because the thing, you know, like the thing that those guys are going to always have together, Jimmy, is uh, they keep telling us, you know, in the movies, in the Marvel movies, they keep telling us that, that Black Widow and Hawkeye are going to show you what happened in Budapest because they'll always have Budapest, right? We'll always have Budapest or, you know, we'll always have what happened in Budapest. And there's always Budapest. They always freaking talk about Budapest between Hawkeye and Black Widow. I feel like all the cross-gen guys are going to be like, we'll always have Orlando. They'll always be Orlando that connects them in the same way that I'm telling you about the studios. A tribe within a tribe. I mean, and it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. I mean, because I mean, they had so much money behind it. Uh, they had uh, Mark Lessie who passed also passed away younger guy, but it's, you know, he was a new face to the comics industry walked in there with and say, Hey, I, and he was like, I have a few million dollars to burn. Let's uh, let's do this. Their convention booths looked like looked like virtual casinos. I mean, with with like I mean, only thing missing were like slot machines at their booths. Um, I mean, because they had these little giant turning lights and things like that. Um, they had instantly. They had literally a dozen titles. I in and um, as I mentioned, I can't, I can't pronounce any of them. Let's tell everybody about the title, the, the talents that work there, because that's that's their legacy. That's Steve McNiven. That's Jimmy Chung. 
Um, uh, it's uh, J- Josh Middleton. That's uh, Brandon Peterson. That is Greg Land. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's. I mean, a, a great. I mean, you know, really, you know, a really capable. Uh, uh, Dale Englishim was there. Yes. Um, and much the same way that we formulated. Oh, do we mention Jimmy Chung? Do we mention? I mean, I Jimmy Chung was. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I don't. Um, I haven't talked about computer color yet. One of the guys at Extreme said you need to give an entire episode to coloring and how it changed with Image Comics, and we should. But they had some really good colorists at uh, at CrossGen that also. So yeah, Laura Martin. Laura Martin. That was in in Justin Ponsor, I think, came from that. And they and they got Jackson Geis and George Perez and Ron Friends as kind of their older pillars. And structures and look, I understand what Alessi did. I never, I don't remember ever speaking to him. I admired when he tried. I think that without Battle Chasers, there is no cross gen because he clearly tried to go after that fantasy dollar that Battle Chasers was dominating. I think it's safe for us to say here, for the benefit of history and time, cross gen was a failure. It was not. It never caught fire. Um, no matter what they did, it those, those books did not. And when I say cross gen was a failure, I'm talking about the individual titles that did not catch fire and compete in the way that the, 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 the expectations were set. But oh, put it this way. I mean, to put it in perspective, I mean, they announced, they announced their company in 99, they start publishing in 2000 and by like 2003, they are, you know, you know, shut down, shut down shop. I mean, it's not, I mean, it was so, I mean, it was so quick. It was so quick now, but what was, what I think what was interesting and the, the impact is that once those doors shut down, it's, I mean, that was, it's like, it's like they rang the bell for, for free agency. And so the people who were left, you know, was, was Marvel in DC and it was who could get to that talent first. And, and that really dominated the two thousands. You know, look, your mom said it best. And and I did I look so so their titles were sigil and sigil help me uh, sigil is sigil scion um uh like later on it was it was chimera it was I mean they had they had a bunch of they had a bunch of funky names man so, so um sojourn sojourn so so, so they yeah I, I don't think the titles were the best the concept was um look it's admirable. The attempt was admirable, but when I say like, um, look, here's what I'm doing right now. You didn't like hearing it in the movie. You definitely didn't like it because you're you're a fan of Tom Cruise. But when uh, Kelly McGillis, with her nice you know legs, walks down you know the 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 center of 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 the uh, the pilots all you know getting their report cards on how they're war games were going in their in their in their airplanes in top gun and they literally call out maverick's maneuver and she says after criticizing the maneuver you know and and tom scarrett calls her in and says hey kelly mcgillis you know would you uh would you care to you know analyze this further and give us your input and she's like at the end she said you know while the uh, maneuver was successful. I think we've all agreed that the results uh, market as a failure. 
and you go, ooh, ooh, and that's when Tom Crowe walks out to her porch and chews her out, like, what are you talking to me about? Well, the bottom line is, it, it, it was off the books. It, can't, it couldn't be replicated. It was a failure. And so I am Kelly McGillis with my clipboard and my sexy legs saying, I think, you know, that we can put CrossGen down, you know, what, while, while there were successes within, we can mark it as a failure. I'm not trying to be completely harsh. Because, like I said, the success of Cross Channel was the talent. And the talent that would go on, like you said, Marvel rated them. I, I don't know that story. That's for them to tell. Just it, seemed, it, it just seemed like all the free agents, the flow of free agents went to Marvel. And, and they were then loaded, loaded with a ton of, of, of talent that was, you know, that was fresh and prime. I mean, like things like... I mean, like Steve McNiven went from being a school teacher in Toronto to being the backup guy on Meridian when Josh Middleton, um, you know, you know, you know, couldn't perform on a monthly basis and uh, and, you know, had controversy and was out of there. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years later, he's doing Civil War for Marvel. You know, I mean, and he just dominated. McNiven was the biggest piece. And I remember. He was a guy. I was buying Scion, Scion, Scion for Jimmy Chung alone, and also Justin Ponsor. He was, in my opinion, as good, if not better, than Laura Martin. And he came out of there, and I would buy. I thought his colors were spectacular. But uh, all of the stuff that Steve, uh, that, that McNiven was drawing, all the stuff Jimmy Chung was, I, 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 I just could not get enough of those guys, even though I didn't really like all the fantasy stuff that they were drawing. And I think as we've pointed out, he was perfectly suited for all of the big time superhero stuff. Marvel would put him on. And you said, you know, and, and it seems, okay. It also seems like that, that these concepts and, and a large part of their line was so dated because it was so, uh, you know, like, Hey, since Lord of the Rings is so big, you know, such a big fantasy franchise, we need to do fantasy, you know, between that and battle chasers. And, you know, maybe all 20 of their titles were not fantasy. It definitely has the wrap of a fantasy, you know, company. And, um, and but again. Stubbornly so. Stubbornly so. They, they, they literally, I think they just stuck with that to the detriment. Um, it, it, look, Battle Chasers was an outlier because it wasn't a fantasy book. It had a robot, you know. It had, it had a steampunk robot. It had magic. It had swords. And, and it, it was such an amalgamation. It was a brilliant expression of Joe Mad's hyperactive creativity. I sense it from him. I had it myself. I recognized it. Only he could produce that brand of chaos. And it just, you know, kings and castles are always made. One will get knocked out of the park every decade. Okay. But it's hard to build a line on that. It was hard. High bar. Okay. Okay, and then, I mean, even think about this, okay, two incredibly talented, talented, talented creators around the same time. Um, you know, we mentioned Joe Mad and how, I mean, he was the bar that everybody tried to, you know, he, he was the stone that everybody, you know, you know, would break on or wh whatever that, that, that quote was that, that you used the other, the other podcast. But then you also had like somebody like Ringo you know, who was doing Telos, you know, for, for Gorilla, you know, and again, it just didn't feel the same. And, you know, Ringo was a, you know, he was a very competent, more than competent, accomplished 
or his was a big talent. He's a big he talent. He was a huge talent. Was a huge talent, but it just you know what? That realm was all Joe Mads. And when anybody else what you're looking at is that Stephen Platt tried to um cop it with Soul Saga too. I thought that's where you were going. That was the other one. It was Telos and it was Soul Saga. What I think I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here because I'm gonna I'm gonna brought Johnson Jack Kirby. Um it was the most successful of Kirby's books at DC, but it was still not registered on the same level of hit as the superhero stuff. Um Commandy had a talking tiger, okay? And uh you know. Talking Tigers, just they they, have, they don't have a strong history. And so, again, Mike, admirable, um, brilliant, beautiful comic. But uh, but but Kirby wasn't able to pull it off. So, you know, it, it's like, like like there's no shame in trying. But again, you know, talking animals is 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 not a surefire hit, which I gets my respect for the attempt. But, you know, the comics industry has way more misses than hits. We don't talk about it enough. There's way more, you know, shrapnel in the, in, in the scrapyard uh, than there are successful books. There, there, there just is. Um, and, and we could go into the history of DC's implosion, but also, you know, Soul Saga was almost a line for line attempt to reproduce uh, uh, Battle Chasers complete with the, the color, colors, the color design, and it couldn't do it either. I mean, like, like only underscoring Joe Mad tapped into something that you certainly could not build a line about. Telos, pretty book, very be beautiful book. Soul Saga, beautiful book, be pretty book. But Joe Mad owned, you said he owned the territory. He owned that brand um, 100%. So we, we are in agreement on that. The Cross Gen tribe, they will always have Orlando, Jimmy, because they, well, Alessi, Mark Alessi, who built up Cross Gen, who some people will not have heard listening to this, um, that they, they will, that, that he built a facility. It was weird when I would read about compound. it. He built a compound. Well, he had a compound. Jim, Jim and Mark thought it was weird too, because it's like, you're just building a studio system. But like Malibu, you, you own the studio system. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to close with, I'm a huge admirer of Keith Giffen. I've, I've got everything he's ever gotten. And if, and if that name isn't, uh, if you're not aware of it, go buy as much of Keith Giffen's work as possible, whether it's the work he did on Lobo, the Omega Men, the Defenders, which is some of my favorite stuff he ever did. Yes, he drew Doctor Strange and Nighthawk and Hulk and early appearances of Moon Knight. And they kick ass. Defenders 50 is one of the most perfect superhero comic books. He did Ambush Bug. He did Trencher for Image Comics. He did OMAC recently. He's done so much for DC. He's been a giant staple for them. Lobo probably was his biggest knock it out of the park hit. And uh, Keith, Keith had done an interview where he said, without even asking, Rob had taken the characters that I created for him at Extreme and trademarked them to me in the Indicia. And it was like, I opened the comic and I was like, hey, and you can see that for Chap Yap, who hadn't been in comics for three months, I trademarked his characters to him. And Todd Knock for Newman, he had uh, a character named named uh, a, a bunch of characters actually uh, that, that that were all you know guys within the studio would walk away with what they owned, which was not normal. But I wanted to extend to them how I wanted to be treated. At at Crossgen, he built 
the studio system. You called it a compound. It was a place they all kind of did work. It was it was a luxurious bullpen. It was a luxurious version of a Marvel bullpen, which would mean it was Extreme Studios. It was um, we had posh studio spaces. La Jolla, the Wildstorm space was really really beautiful. It wasn't as big as you thought it was. I was there. I walked Wildstorm, but it, that you could not beat that it was on a cliff in La Jolla, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Not quite overlooking it, but right right down. You know, you could walk outside and step to your left, and there it was. Uh, it, it was kind of positioned on like a retail strip, but it was a, all the office space was Wildstorm. So look, man, uh, cross-gen, they, they showed up, they worked together, they lived on site. It was a campus. I'm sure they would rather have campus than, than, uh, than a Keith Ranieri uh, compound. Or, like, like Nexium, yes. Because um, it all comes back to Nexium. But um, the thing is, so you got cross-gen, you got bra- bra- bravura, bravura, um, legend, uh, gorilla, all these tribes, and and that and 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 some lasted, but those memories will always last with all those guys. You know, that's I love talking about this stuff. It's fun talking about it. I I, I always keep it. You know, we try and keep it light and fun because that's what this is about. There's no no harsh condemnation, even when I'm talking about what an, a, a lunatic. Dan DiDio is. Um, it's it's like it's not like I don't know that he harmed anybody like in a way other than maybe bruised some egos and 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 maybe took some work out away from people at times. Like it's 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 comic books. I always have to kind of go. It's comic books, and uh, I'm fortunate that I've been able to live the comic books. I I you know Jimmy within the last 24 hours I bought comic books from you. Um, so we're we're doing this comic book thing. This is what we do. The tribes are an interesting part of the comic book history, what they contributed, how they came together. But um, look, there's no doubt uh, Hellboy is the bright, shining uh, success of all of this. Mike Mignola, um, Hellboy outshines. I, I'm, I'm trying. I mean, like, literally, I can't think of anything that, that outshines it. So so Hellboy, you know. Uh, Sin City. So Sin City. Sin City and Hellboy, the legend guys have some big successes and they deserve them and good for them. And, uh, you know, this this was a blast talking about tribes and, and all the impact. And maybe if while you've listened to this, you wondered, was this entire episode built around Rob doing the Todd McFarlane? Bra- bra- bravura? And I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you, maybe, maybe that was the case. And Jimmy, I'm just so glad you joined me um, and we were able to do this together. Uh, and, and, uh, and look, man, whether streaming takes over or not, I'm right now, I'm a betting man. I'm saying it is, uh, I'm telling you, we're going to get bigger, larger productions. And I think some of the best stuff is going to come from the minds of the comic book people who have already been giving you so much of it, who deserve to be credited more. And that's a different, that's another podcast. But, uh, Jimmy, we chewed a lot of the fat and, and this was fun and, and where can people, where can people find you? I am all over social media. You can find me on Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter at Amazing Comic Con. So all spelled out, no funky spellings. I am uh, Rob Liefeld on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I am at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. I'm all over Facebook. Um, 
The reason I say the blue checks is literally, again, just this week, people try and imitate me. It's a drag. Um, so so if, if you're being asked to send money to a guy uh, that has taken my photo and put it in a, in a message and has built an account, that, that's phony. The blue check for guys who are in the public eye, it helps you know that that's really us. So that's me really um, on Twitter at Robert Liefeld and on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over. I love your guys' input. This was so fun talking about the tribes, this, 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 um, you know, man bands. That's what we were. We were a bunch of man bands. Um, and, and we will deep dive into why we were the Eagles some other time because, uh, oh boy. Anyway, thank you for sharing this time with us. You guys know that all I want is for you to stay safe, especially in these weirdo times. Um, we're coming up on, on the holidays. Have a great holiday. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. And we will talk again real soon. Thank you.